Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today, we're talking about getting out of your workplace and being called into the mission field. All week long, we're talking about calling, your calling. We all have a calling. Some of us get called locally. Some of us get called overseas. Today, we have in studio Mark and Julie. They'll be joining us for our discussion so we can talk about how they were called out of their workplace and into the mission field. And you'll notice I'm a little obscure about their names, and that's on purpose, and we'll talk about that later. Mark and Julie and my co-host, Martha Brangenberg, joining us for a rare Monday appearance. Welcome, all of you, to the radio show, The I Work For Him Show. Good afternoon. All right. So, Mark and Julie, what I want you to do is just start off by talking about just how Christ impacted your life. Julie, start us off. She was going to go. Mark, you go first. (laughs) Okay. So, we, as a couple, we were looking for an opportunity to serve overseas. Um, Is that where you want me to start? Sure. You can start off any any way you want to identify how Christ has impacted you. And... um, God just moved us to move out of our comfort zone and our workplaces here in Florida and uh, moved us overseas into the Middle East and North Africa to work for a missions organization. Hmm. Okay, so Mark, go a little deeper than that. What I want to, you know, talk to me about when did you guys know that you were being, I mean, because we knew you when you were newlyweds and 
You had already knew you were planning on going on the mission field. When did God lay that on you to that? Hey, you, we're going to call you to the mission field. Yeah, for me, it actually happened before we met. Several years before we met um, at our home church um, here in Florida, um, I was at a missions conference. Didn't know much about missions. Um, was listening to the speaker. And was just felt really impacted of like, you know, this is really interesting. You know, missions, people from all over the world serving in different capacities, doing different things, reaching people for Christ. And a single guy spoke in our singles ministry. He had just come back from East Asia Pacific and shared what he was doing. And during that conference over the several days, God just kept convicting me of why aren't you doing this? What can you do? Why can't you do this? What's holding you back? And I'm like, I didn't know what to think or do. Uh, I was just a mess that weekend. <laughs> you know, I was like feeling convicted that I should, you know, just sell everything and go. But then also, well, I can't do that. You know, I have a mortgage. I have, you know, a good job. You know, I've not been to Bible college. I've not been to, I'm not an extreme evangelist. I don't have what I thought a missionary is or does, but God proved to me and showed me that I could go out. All right. So let's talk about that. Your lives before, before your calling, before you left to go into the mission field, let's talk about what you guys did professionally beforehand. Because that's really, listeners, as you're you're tuning in today, we're talking with a couple that was called out of their professional workplaces here in the States and called to take their skills onto the mission field. And I want to identify, we all have a calling, and I want people to hear what how God impacted Mark and Julie's life as they considered this calling in their life. So what did you guys do beforehand? For myself, I worked for in management for a large financial corporation. So day to day, you you had employees. Yes. Okay, and you uh, had a computer and you managed people. You, I mean, you just it was an office job. Had a large cubicle. You had a large cubicle. <laughs> did you have a did you have a window in your cubicle? Was it a six foot high cubicle or a four foot high cubicle? Six. So you were a big dog. Private walls. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So you had a calling in your cubicle. Okay. Julie, what about you? So I worked at a marketing group, marketing firm. And then as well, I had a professional photography business. Okay. All right. So you had management skills. You had organizational skills. You are definitely artistic, marketing, all right brain. You got so much right brain creativity in you, Julie. So... As your, when did you hear the call from God to Julie? I actually was in middle school, so I was young and in the church, and again at a missions conference and hearing missionaries speak. I think that was a piece of the puzzle. Another piece was going on trips all through um, high school into Mexico, and I remember being in the mountains of Mexico and God just confirming His call in my life to go into cross cultural ministry, and. Every hard situation that we saw in the mountains of Mexico just reiterate, you know, well, why couldn't I do that? Hmm. You know, if God called me to do this, why couldn't I be here? Why couldn't I serve? And so just being available to wherever God had for me. And then in college, um, I went completely different side of the world to a a completely different people group uh, for my internship. And 
because I wondered if God was calling me to Mexico. But in that completely different setting, God confirmed that it was just more of a being willing uh, to go wherever he wanted me to go um, and just following him and not in a specific called to a specific people group or specific language group um, or place, but just being willing to follow him. (laughs) That's a huge thing. All right, let's talk about calling, because I want to do that as we lead into the quarter hour. What is calling? I mean, when we talk about God is calling me to do this, Martha, what's your take on that? How do you take that? Um, Well, I think when you're, hmm, there's a lot of different approaches to that. So just give us one. I think for and these guys can probably speak better, but I know even for my parents, when they were called to be missionaries, it was a change of direction for them, taking what they were doing in their everyday life and um, purposefully using it for um, a mission organization. But I know what we've often talked about is we need to be purposeful every day with what God has um, commanded us to do, and that is to go and to, to preach the gospel. So um, taking that calling into our cubicles, as you often say at the beginning of the show, or taking it overseas, it's about being obedient. Well, and you take the call every day into your bookstore. I do. And it's, uh, you know, you've got 17, 18 employees, and you've got hundreds and hundreds of customers. So each day, that's a ministry field that you have. It is. It is. Let's talk about, I mean, you and I share, Martha, we share that night, you know, July the 13th, Friday the 13th, Friday, July 13th, 1979, where we both committed our lives to full-time Christian ministry. Mm -hmm. That same night in a stadium in San Diego, on San Diego State University Stadium, three years before we met, and we committed, Lord, here I am, Lord, send me. Did you ever imagine it would have been to the radio? <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Didn't really know what that would be. <laughs> but I think that's the key is is the willing, like Julie was saying, you know, being willing and open to whatever that calling might be. What are you guys thinking I mean, about calling? I mean, you guys have dealt with this. Yeah, I mean, I know for myself, it was during that missions conference that after that, making that decision, yes, Lord, send me. I didn't know where. I didn't know how. But I just knew that I had to be obedient and make that step of faith and do it. I just could not bear the thought of one day standing before God in judgment. Why did you not obey me and go? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we don't want that either. (laughs) Definitely don't want We've been talking with Mark and Julie, who were called out of their workplace, out of their professional skills. What did you say, Mark? It was professional it was professional workplace, professional. I, I, Mark had things. I said it was his business skills. How about our professional skills? So they were called with their professional skills out of their jobs here in the States to take them onto the mission field. So we've got Mark and Julie in the studio. We have my wife, Martha, who's also been on the mission field, talking today about your calling. Because each one of us has a calling. Every listener out there, you've got a calling. Some people are called overseas. Some people are called to the pulpit. But the majority of us are called to our workplaces, to our home place. Whether that is you're a a homemaker at home raising your kids, or you're a work-from-home mom or dad, or whether you're going to an office, but you are called. We're called to our neighborhoods. Don't miss this. We're talking about your calling. So, Mark and Julie, right before the uh, break. I said, I-, I wanted to replay this scene that has been in my head for years. I remember the time you guys had said, yeah, we think we're going to, you know, we're going to go to the mission field. And we, you had, a, you know, you had, you had some plans, but that was, what you're going to do. You're going to go. And then one day you said, Jim, I think we're going to go to the middle East and North Africa. And I looked back and I'm like, 
Really? That's freaky to me. Okay, so I mean, I remember that day. I can remember where we were standing. <laughs> I'm thinking, you guys are crazy. But before that process, though, you you had talked to lots of different sending organizations, and I don't feel that way anymore because you know I've matured and God has worked on my heart. But what how, what was the process like? You you you, you decided okay. What what was it that said, Mark and Julie, now move forward? So we were actually, when we were single, before we had met, we were actually going out with two separate organizations as a goal. So working towards that goal. But the plant, the organizations that we were each going with, we didn't qualify for each other's programs. So when we decided to get married, um, we were looking for an organization we can serve with together. So we we did. We looked at some different organizations. Probably about three or four. So we, we took a vision trip with one organization, and then we we were asking questions about other organizations. But what we were impressed with, our, we serve with OM, we were impressed with, as we were seeking out opportunities with OM, they were really looking at what are our giftings, what is our skill set, and how can we best be used in ministry on the, in a cross-cultural setting. And so because of that process, it really encouraged us that we wouldn't just be placed as a warm body for a need, but really in a place that we could thrive and use our gifts that God's given us for His glory. So but what was the impetus that, that got you off center? Because you've been talking about missions, you were called as kids and teenagers, and you got married, and you had some children, and one day you said, yeah, we're going to do this now. Well, what was the impetus? What got you off center and said, yep, we're moving forward? Do you remember? I think the whole time we were actually moving forward, I think the timing of when it fell in place, um, when it when we finally started meeting with OM, and we, we got all of our approvals and the field approvals, and um, I was pregnant with my second child, so we knew it would be one year out before we could actually go. Um, but when the field had, uh, the receiving field had said yes, and this is what we want you for, and we were we were willing to say yes, that's it. just when it all fell in place is the timing. I don't think we necessarily picked the timing. I think it's more of when it hmm. all came together. Yeah. Hmm. And listening and uh, working with our uh, sending organization uh, through that whole process, it wasn't a specific region or people group that we were focused on. You know, some people are called, I have to go work with the Roma, or the Roma in Europe or different people groups or a specific region or a country, you know, we really didn't have that. We just had the call that we wanted to go and serve where there was a need that could use our skills and abilities. Mm-hmm. And so we were presented with probably about three to four different opportunities across the world. And the one opportunity that we ended up deciding on was the one that just would not go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As we kind of started looking at the opportunity, what the opportunity was, the skills needed for that job, what we wanted to do, it was just felt like it was just the right fit. And I think that's a really interesting, you said fit, and then you were talking about the the process that they went through to actually use your skills and to see what you have you know, had been doing in your professional work. Um, how did they do that? Was there testing? Was it like a, you submitted resumes? How did they really yep, figure was, out a good fit? Resumes, testing, um, all kinds of psychological exams. <laughs> um, and then as well as communicating with the different receiving fields of what the needs are. 
and um, who would be the best fit for the fields. Hmm. I think that's really amazing because a lot of people don't know. Like you said, you didn't want to just be a warm body filling a position. You had worked hard in your education to learn and to you know hone in your skills and to know that you'd be able to use them and um, help support a an organization at the same time. Yeah, even with my business skills and background um, in management, you know, like I said, I was at this missions conference years ago and God was saying, you can do this, you can be used. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I've not been to Bible college, Mm -hmm. but through the guidance of working with our missions department at our church and some pastors, they encouraged me to go on some short-term trips, uh, one to South America, one to Africa. Both of those trips, God confirmed on those trips, what, how I could be used. The missionaries in both places were saying, we're evangelists. We're pastors. We we are called here to do that. But we are so burdened with administrative tasks, management tasks, working with home offices in all of these different things that need to be done, finance, communicating, all of those things were a burden to them. Mm-hmm. And both trips, that was communicated. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, God, the light bulb moment, the aha moment. I see how I can be used. I can do those things. Well, I've th- I've seen that so consistently. You know, missionaries are typically gifted extraordinarily with teaching evangelism and discipleship. Missionaries and pastors, that's their gifting typically. Business people typically have the gifts of organization, administration, uh, management and finance. Those kinds of skills. And it is so needed business people to partner up with missionary minded people the the pastors the 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 teachers the evangelists and the disciplers because they can definitely help each other i mean the 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 business people can help the missionaries with those skills the pastors with those skills that they bring to the table and the missionaries and the pastors can help the business people with those skills the teaching and evangelism and discipleship because in their own businesses they need to know how to minister to people uh, and and that's the way god designed it for us all to be part of the church that whole i'm a right hand you're a left hand well you know julie's all right brained i have none she makes up for all of mine so i mean it's that's how God puts everything together like that. So I just think it's it's cool. How do you feel about how your skills are being used today? Julie, you've got some extraordinarily artistic skills. How's God been able to use those? Well, for the first couple of years that I was able to get into communications work, which is photography and writing and editing, um, I, I was learning how to do that for a nonprofit. And I realized across our region, in at least North Africa, how many times, like you were saying earlier about how the ministry leaders are often the evangelist speakers, disciplers, but they're not administratively gifted. How many times those individuals were asked to do roles that they weren't good at. And so I saw this very huge burden for these ministry leaders to fulfill a need and it was just taxing for them and they weren't good at it. And then the uh, home offices and those supporters weren't getting the information they needed and they were frustrated. And I was like, what if we just brought in people that are good at this? And Mm -hmm. so um, I started an internship program for college students and young professionals to come out to actually use their skills that they're studying and they're using in the workplace in photography, journalism, video and graphic design to come and use it for missions. And so for me to develop young people, and another thing is to give them a chance. I just felt like when I was young, I, I wanted someone to say, I believe in you. I want to give you a chance. And I feel like that's what I'm doing with these young professionals of like, I'm giving you a chance to work for an international organization for 
God's glory in missions and across cultural I'm giving you this opportunity. What can you do with this? Show me what you can do. And and when the interns get the vision that they can use their skills and missions, that's that's huge for me. So I went from learning how to do it myself and then seeing the need for so many others to come and just into this recruiting type role and training um, the young interns and young professionals. So that's where I'm at now as far as uh, the progression of using skill set and missions. That's fantastic. So you're given an opportunity. Not only do you get to play with all your really cool skills, but you're getting to mentor and train and encourage other people to be able to use those same skills overseas. Right. And they can bring them back to the States, obviously, as well. Right. And you're not just dealing with people that come from the States. You're dealing with people that come from all over the world, correct? Mm -hmm. Only half of my interns have been from the States. Others have been from the UK, Australia, Singapore. Um, So it's exciting to hear different voices, all proclaiming God's glory in the mission field. I love the different voices. I'm frankly a New Zealand kind of guy. I think their accents are really sweet. (laughs) Mark, the skills that you've got. Talk to me a little bit about how the skills that you used every day here at a local financial company, you're getting to use on the mission field. Yeah, a lot of those skills uh, are involved in working with other offices all over the world as far as like hiring, the selection process, interviews, Uh, logistics, the logistics of trying to get someone to the mission field with their sending office or their sending country, all the information in regards to health insurance, uh, the logistics of plane tickets, visas, Mm -hmm. everything involved with getting someone overseas. It's not as easy as just, oh, I'm going to buy my plane ticket and here I go. Mm -hmm. You know, just all of the logistics of coordinating someone to leave their home country and come out to the mission field. So being able to use previous experience and then growing that even more in an international setting for all these different cultures that aren't just American culture uh, is just, I've, I love it. How many different cultures are you trying to co-mingle right now and all the people that you're dealing with? Oh my goodness. In my immediate area... Because um, I'm a, I have an area role, and then I have a smaller country role as well. And so, probably in the immediate area, we're looking at about 18 different cultures. <laughs> yeah, and I think Florida's tough. Wow. <laughs> so it's time for our book highlight, one that I believe will deepen the impact Christ is making on your life. This section is sponsored, as always, by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. The book highlight of the week is Halftime by Bob Buford. It's all about determining your calling. And we're going to talk with somebody from Halftime tomorrow. Rhonda Kelbeck tomorrow will be on the show. Are you ready to move into the second half of your life? Bob Buford believes the second half of your life can be better than the first. Much better. But first, you need to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. You know, like I say, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life when I, when I grow up. What am I going to do when I grow up? <laughs> Buford focuses on the important time of transition, the time when, as he says, a person moves beyond the first half of the game of life. It's halftime, a time of revitalization, and a time for catching a new vision for living the second half, the half where life can be lived at its most rewarding. Halftime. It doesn't have to be a time of crisis. It can be a catalyst for purpose, impact, and growth. To win the gift card, call the studio line 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. And remember, you need to read the book. Don't wait for the movie.
All right, we are back live and in studio with Martha Brangenberg, my co-host, and Mark and Julie. They are missionaries called to the Middle East and North Africa, and we are going to go specific. Their sending organization is OM. You said the website was om.org, so very simple, om.org. We were talking during the break, uh, uh, just, well, Martha, why don't you lay it up? We were talking about what Mark said. Oh, I just thought it was really interesting how he was saying that um, he has so much peace about what he is doing. And I said, I think because you've, when you've been called and you're using the skills and the gifts and abilities that God's given you, um, you can have peace knowing that you're using them for his glory, even in the midst of learning a new culture, learning new languages, meeting with people from 18 different cultures and things like that. Not that that's peaceful, because I'm sure it's not, but <laughs> it having, having some confidence in the Lord, knowing that he's equipped you for it. Um, and that you're using skills that he equipped you with rather than, you know, I was thinking when we were talking about how creative Julie is and, and using She's those skills. Creative. And I'm thinking if someone asked Jim to paint a picture, <laughs> he could do it. But the amount of time and aggravation and effort that it would take for him to do it would be a waste of the time of the things he could be doing with the skills that God has equipped him. And I got that picture when you were talking about when you've seen other people um, being asked to do administrative things when it's not their gifting. And um, you said that so kindly. But, you know, we can get very overwhelmed when you're asked to do something that you're, you've never done before. It's not in your makeup to be organized or um, detailed. And yet you have incredible other giftings of teaching and things like that. So being asked to take time away from teaching and evangelism and working in neighborhoods or whatever it might be to do things in an office, I, I can see where that could really make someone even very unpeaceful or feeling very um, that they're not being used, not doing what God called them to do. And that could lead to a lot of frustration. So burnout yeah. and, uh, and definitely burnout because you're you're trying to figure out something that you're you're not skilled to do. Well, and I've seen it in a lot of pastors. I mean, a lot of pastors really struggle in this area. You know, they're running a church and a lot of churches are small, so they expect the pastor to do the preaching on Sunday, the managing on Monday through Saturday. They expect them to do the, you know, the house calls. They expect them to do the discipleship. They expect them to, uh, uh, you know, manage the budget, propose a budget. I mean, they expect them to do all these things. And most pastors, almost all of them, but not all, but a large majority of them are horrible with money. If they're really good at teaching evangelism and discipleship, they're not typically the same gift set that's good with money. They're not typically good managers. They're just really good. They study well. They document well. They speak well. They teach well. And they disciple well, typically. But those are different skills than managing and administration and organization and finance. Oh, boy. Anyway, so, Mark, you were talking, again, off the air, and we, that's why I'm trying to bring it back on the air. Uh, you were talking off the air about some of the really cool opportunities that are available on the mission field that nobody would ever expect. Nobody would ever expect that what you said, wait for this, wait for this. He talked about a job that's available. We can't tell you where it's available, so don't ask. Don't call in and don't text us. But you can call in for the gift card from Caris Christian Books and Gifts. <laughs> but this job... If you want to find out more about these jobs and you want to get connected with Mark and Julie, all you got to do is email me, jim at iworkforhim.com, jim at iworkforhim.com. So, Mark, what was that job you shared? We can talk about the bunch of the other ones, but there was one you said, I'm like, no stinking way. This one is so cool, and I've been excited about it. We've had it for almost a year now posted, and we're trying to find people to fill it. 
it is an outdoor adventure job. Individuals that have experience or are certified in whitewater rafting, mountain climbing, rock climbing, trekking, mountain biking, all of those outdoor Bungee jumping? adventure activities. Spelunking. Spelunking is one. What so, about rope? What do they call that rope thing? You take the zip lining. Zip lining. I don't know if they have a zip line yet or not. You, but you, might you don't know the job you. description, Jim. Yeah, they get to use an ATV. They get to use, you know, AD, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking, how can anybody not want to go do that job? That is a cool thing in the whole world. Yeah, we have a team that has a need for these individuals. <laughs> wow. Now I want. Let's repeat that. I want. I want to go back up. Okay, so listeners out there, listen to this. There is a missionary job out there for somebody who's an outdoor, not just an outdoor enthusiast, but somebody who's a crazy outdoor enthusiast. <laughs> somebody who likes to put their life in danger all the time by doing really cool, crazy things. Mark, like rock climbing, rock climbing, <laughs> whitewater rafting, whitewater rafting. Trekking, mountain biking, spelunking. Mountain biking. Yep. What'd you say? What else did you say? Spelunking. Yeah. Spelunking. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what that is, Jay? That's like spelunking is good. The cave thing, right? Yes. Absolutely. Caves. All right. Yeah. I don't. I, if I, I don't go, in, peep, things live in caves. You know, like things that you know you have to shoot if they attack you. <laughs> I really. And Martha's really not a cave person either because she's worried about those creepy things. And they jump in your hair, they fly out. You know, she's bats. bats. Bats, she's not really good with bats. No. I'm okay with spelunking if there's lights. I don't know if it works that way. I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> okay, so But somebody who loves so all this. So why things. is this why is this job hard to fill? Because there are all kinds of people here in the States that I know of, and I'm sure there are all over Europe. People do stuff like that all the time. I think that the difference is the knowing that you can do it for cross-cultural ministry, for missions. I don't think this is a typical scenario. I think what's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're right. I think what's typical when we think of missions is the preacher, evangelist, or a doctor, or teacher, English teacher, mm-hmm. that type of thing. But the reality is, is these type of venture ministry roles are available in a cross-cultural setting, as well as so many other very specific giftings that you can use in ministry. And we're for, going to talk about those, but I don't want to jump off this one first. Okay. Because if anybody knows Doug Garner with Go the Distance, please contact Doug Garner and tell him we've now found a job for him overseas in the mission field. Because Doug Garner does all of those things we just talked about right here in the States. I think he'd be awesome overseas. Don't you, Martha? (laughs) Sure. He's taking our kids on some unbelievable trips. Did he ever take you guys on? Yeah, I went. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Unbelievable stuff. Okay. So... You've got a job on the mission field. Again, I just want to say it. For people who just maybe tuning in, you're like, nobody has ever, I can tell you, I've never heard this job ever before available in the mission field. Somebody who's an outdoor enthusiast that loves to do crazy sports. We're talking whitewater rafting, spelunking, mountain climbing, zip lining. Oh, they didn't say zip lining, but you know, all of these hiking, biking, all of these things, they're looking for that to do cross cultural ministries in an unnamed location. It's in, the, it's in the Middle East. Yeah, okay. It's in the Middle East. Okay, so there is actually a way to find out where it is. Okay. Okay, so if you go on om.org. Om.org. There is an opportunities tab, and then you can just put in whatever you are interested in, and it will show you all the opportunities around the world. So om.org, and you click on the opportunities tab. Yes. That's opportunity knocking. <laughs> and the door can't open for you. That's right. That's right. Wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, I just, 
Huh. All right. So when we come back, I want to go through that big, long list of opportunities that are available that people just wouldn't think that are available on the on the mission field because they're thinking that I got to go plant the church or they're thinking I got to go run a Bible study somewhere. And that may be true, but they're thinking of all these things that are way outside their box where they can become ministers in, in cross-cultural ministries, as you said, with the skills that they've been given. So, Mark, what, just do a teaser. What's one of those? Finance. Finance. So when you say finance, you're talking yeah, but now finance and accountants, you know, in the States they'd say that's two different people. The, you got the you got the bean counters and you got the people, you know, doing the finance, the planning, the the funding, all of that kind of stuff. Those are those are typically different people. Are they one and the same on the mission field? You could be both. You could, we need both. You need, need both. both. Yeah. Oh. So all you CPAs out there, all you finance people out there, listen up. Don't go away. Okay, okay. Mark and Julie. We've, there's these unbelievable, amazing opportunities, and, you, and we talked about one last the, the last segment. We talked about this outdoor adventure opportunity, but there's lots of other ones. And Mark, you said finance. We talked about that. Okay, so let's talk about what a finance or accounting job would look like on the mission field. It'd be an individual that would work with individuals that might be on the field handling petty cash. Uh, it would be them doing the financial reports. It would be them helping the field leaders, the area leaders in financial forecasting, budgeting, creating budgets for the ministry teams. It would be them working alongside field leadership and area leadership in projects that are being developed and developing the budgets needed for those projects. As the gifts are coming in, all the financial reporting related to that, the financial tracking, all the bells and whistles related to the financial side but, of but things. But they're not like running a business, so they don't have income coming in. Are you talking about they're doing all that tracking based on the money they've raised to support themselves towards their mission work So and how they track all that? Is that what you're talking about? Their personal mission work and also the funds that these offices and these individuals are going out and raising money for specific projects. For projects. So, okay, so they can have big project stuff. It's kind of like what we did for you guys when you had a project that needed to be raised for. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, Julie, what were some of those other opportunities? You were, you were rambling some of those off. So, we have needs for photographers, videographers, graphic designers. Almost every field is asking for graphic designers. For some reason, we have a hard time communicating that this is a need, and this is how individuals that have skill sets in graphic design can serve in missions, um, along with the finance managers for almost every field is a need. We also need graphic designers. Okay, so let's not miss that. So you need photographers, which there are lots of photographers now. There are some good ones, and there's lots of other ones. And you said photographers. What was the other thing you said? Videographers. Videographers. So people doing video, that's great. The digital video, that's fantastic. They need to be able to edit their own video, though, right? Just like they need to, be able to edit their pictures. It, de- it depends on if you can. There's opportunities to work with a team as well as to do it all on your own. So okay. if you're coming to a small field where you have to do everything by yourself, or you can come to a team that uh, there's editors specific to the role. So what do you mean? But you, you have this big need for graphic designers. Every, what does that mean? What do you mean? So every field um, does publications as well as websites and social media. And we have very limited resources on the individual fields of people skilled in graphic design to put together high-profile publications. Or we want to represent God with our best, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Why would we put together something that is second best? And we want people to use their giftings and abilities to proclaim God's glory and tell what God is doing in in different parts of the world. So what you're saying is you wouldn't want a guy like me doing your graphic design. (laughs) I'm glad you're here, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was just interesting when you were talking about the need for photographers and videographers. A lot of people don't think about the fact that if you're in the midst of ministry, 
there's nobody documenting it unless you're pulling yourself out of ministry to take a picture of what's going on around you. So um, that's such a huge part of telling the story, as you often say, you know, just being able to have somebody there dedicated to recording what's happening, whether it's the images on a a child's face or um, a family that's being helped or whatever is being happening in that ministry, being able to capture that really in the moment, not having to fake it or set it up and but really being able to be there in the moment what a what a special um opportunity that would be for a photographer or videographer all right so we got outdoor wild crazy enthusiasts we got finance people that are needed we i mean i just can't believe they get to go do whitewater rafting for jesus that's just awesome all right so they get so outdoor enthusiasts finance people accounting people uh, videographers photographers graphic designers journalists every field journalism And, and why is that so important because I will tell you that I totally agree but why is journalism so important to a missionary? I think two parts of it. One is we are involved in these large projects so um, different countries are going through crisis. We have an opportunity to help and aid in relief but also um, partner with local churches so they can do ministry and follow up and discipleship church planting but a lot of that involves project funds when you do big projects like this you have to do project reporting so all the articles all the follow-up all the photos that we have to do that allows us to bring funds in to continue ministry we have to have people to do those roles so journalism tells the story of what god's doing around mm. the world in partnership with the individuals who are serving as well as the projects that are going on telling the story i love that okay so mark you said you were coordinating I, I, I just gotta go back to something you said you're coordinating people from 18 different cultures are that 18 different languages too i'm trying to think probably at least 10 at least yeah probably at least 10 okay so you got 10 different languages how do you coordinate people that are speaking 10 different languages are, are you all speaking one common language yes english you are so english is your common language yes. but it's not their first language most of them correct and a lot of them it's maybe their second third or fourth language mm. wow yeah. <laughs> I'm still working on my first language, just That's in case why anybody Mark wonders. Is called there because he's very patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what, we've got listeners out there that you've all of a sudden got them thinking. You've got them thinking, wow, I could go on the mission field with my skills. How do they find out more? What's the process they should go through to consider taking their skills overseas? Right. Going to the www.om.org and selecting the Opportunities tab? That's one way to do it. When we were first looking, our church and our college said, well, talk to your church first. And so talk to your missions committee, see what opportunities that they would support for you to go with, and if it's a good fit for you to go, and look for their encouragement and backing you up. Our church actually recommended OM to us, and we found that it was a good fit for us, and we were impressed in how they placed our giftings and ministry and calling to serve God in in positions and cross-cultural service it's so huge and i know that the process as you guys went out to start raising funds and you found out that it was huge amounts of money that you needed to raise just to be able to live on a daily basis it was so important to have that church behind you your small group behind you so that you had people patting you on the back and encouraging you because it was a tough process but that's going to have to be a topic for another day because as we come to the end of another i work for him show picture this if you will the sun is shining 
and the clear blue ocean waves are passing by as the Royal Caribbean Brilliance of the Seas cruise ship sails between Tampa and Cozumel. You can almost smell the salt there now as we talk about our plans for the upcoming second annual Cruise Your Way to a Better Marriage Retreat, sponsored by I Work For Him. February 5th through the 9th, 2015. That's February 5th through the 9th, 2015. That will be a time when you and your spouse can get away to invest in your marriage. No dishes to do, no sporting events to attend, no cell phones to answer, just a few days together in a beautiful environment with purposeful discussions on ways to make your marriage strong, as well as plenty of time for those private discussions and alone time right on to the right on built right into the agenda plan now to join us for this much anticipated retreat find out all the details on our website iworkforhim.com iwork the number four him.com the top tab on the left hand side says cruise what's the same martha marriage cruise marriage cruise very <laughs> simple very simple all right on tomorrow's i work for him show we'll be continuing our discussion on this week's theme that's your calling Rhonda kelbeck director of global enhancement for halftime ministries will be joining us and we're going to be talking about the ministry of halftime and determining your calling the I Work for Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective christ followers in a workplace if you would like to become one of those Tampa Bay or nationwide companies supporting the vision of I Work For Him on this show during this hour, drive time each and every day, please contact me, Jim at IWorkForHim.com, Jim at IWorkForHim.com. And on the I Work For Him website, you'll find tons of great resources, including information about the marriage cruise, but also the show schedule, the guest schedule, and recommending reading resources for incorporating Christ into your workplace. Those are all books that I've read, and I'm recommending that you read and add to your library so that you can become... And learn how to be Jesus in your workplace each and every day. I'd like to thank my guests today, Mark and Julie, for joining us on the show. It was a lot of fun. Went fast, Mark, didn't it? It did. <laughs> yeah. Mark is where it is going to drag on for a whole hour. Martha, thanks for joining us as well. And you guys, just talking about being able to be pulled out of our workplace and being plugged into the mission field and knowing that all of our skills can be used from the far out wild adventure person to the staid and true accountant. All of us are needed on the mission field. That was awesome. I Work For Him is on Facebook. Take time to like us, please. Just search for I Work, the number four, him, I Work For Him, on Facebook. If you liked what you heard on today's show, you may want to check out some of our past shows and archive of all these shows are available via links from our website, iworkforhim.com. We're Christ followers who own our own business, but ultimately, I Work For Him.